For those of you that I have not met, my name is Elizabeth and I am the chaplain at the upper school, which is the high school at St. Stephen St. Agnes right here in Alexandria. And we have finished for the summer and I'm so glad for that. And not just for the obvious reason <laughs> that summer is here, we've got several months off, but also one of my duties along with teaching classes is of course to lead chapel. So every week we have a chapel service for the 450 some students and faculty in the school. And as you might imagine, teenagers are not always wild about that part of the school day. Sometimes it takes a little convincing that this also can be a really fun part of their time together. And so I am always looking for like events and celebrations, festivities that we can sort of mix things up, surprise them a little bit, trying to keep things interesting. So things like All Saints and Advent and Christmas, of course, and Lent and Easter and anytime I can find a celebration to celebrate, we are in the midst of that for sure. So I am very thankful that I'm not trying to lead chapel for those teenagers during this very long and terminable season after Pentecost. This is the time that goes on for like 20 some weeks in the church world. Of course, we call this ordinary time and there are no big feasts for a while. There's not much to celebrate other than fathers, of course, but that is not a church thing. And it's the time of the year when the church invites us to dig into our faith in the ordinary moments of life. And that can be really hard, both for teenagers and for adults. And so I offer a couple of stories today that might help us think about what that could look like. The first story is from the Washington Post. A while back, they coordinated an experiment and the article about it ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize. The paper arranged for one of the finest classical musicians in the world, Joshua Bell, to play some of the most elegant music ever written on one of the most valuable violins ever made in the L'Enfant Plaza metro station during the middle of rush hour. <laughs> for 43 minutes, Joshua Bell, whose concerts sell out at like hundreds of dollars a ticket, disguised himself as an ordinary street musician. He wore jeans and a t-shirt and a Nats baseball cap, and he performed six classical pieces while 1,097 people passed by, most of them on their way to work. So each passerby had a quick choice to make. Do I stop and listen, or do I hurry past, maybe even annoyed by this demand on my time and my wallet? Do I give attention to my surroundings, or do I just try to get to my destination as quickly as possible? Do I allow myself to be surprised or do I assume that everything is as it always is? I thought about that story when I saw that this was our Old Testament reading for this morning, which I think is maybe the second story that can help us figure out how to live during this ordinary time. In this story, of course, it's not a classical violinist, but God who appears incognito. There is Abraham, the nomad, resting in the shade of his tent during the blazing midday heat when the narrator tells us the Lord appeared to Abraham. Abraham looks up from his resting place and he sees three men standing near him and he has a quick decision to make. Will he send them on their way? He only has so much after all and who knows what these strangers might have in mind or will he give up his rest time and share what he has with them? 
And of course, you already know how this story ends for Abraham. He rushes out to stop the men from leaving. He bows down to the ground. He calls himself their servant, and he begs them to rest themselves while he brings them refreshments. He promises a little bread and a little water, but then he proceeds to rush around madly, employing everyone around him to create a feast for these three men. He instructs Sarah to make cakes from the best flour. He chooses the best calf and gives it to a servant to prepare, and then he himself serves these things, along with curds and milk, to these three strangers. I think when I've been reading this story in the past, I'd always assume that Abraham must have somehow realized that these three men were divine. Why else would he be so respectful, so welcoming to these strangers? Why else would he rush around like this trying to serve them? Why else would he offer his best food in such large quantities? But there's actually no indication that Abraham knew who was visiting his tent that day, any more than any of us might have known. There's no reason to think that there's anything unusual about these three men. They aren't wearing gleaming robes. There's no halos over their head. There's no doves appearing in the sky around them. And unlike in that DC subway, there is no heavenly music playing. From Abraham's perspective, these are just three men traveling through the desert that have wandered up to his tent. And yet he bestows on them a welcome that is so gracious, so abundant, that it almost looks undignified. So this is a story about hospitality, to be sure, and that's, I think, how I've always thought about it, the idea that one never knows just who or what might be standing in front of you. So we should treat everyone well. St. Paul later talks about, in his letter to the Hebrews, that we should treat everyone with kindness because you could be entertaining angels in disguise. But it also seems like a story about simply recognizing the holy moments that are all around us, living as if any moment could be a chance to encounter God, being willing to be surprised. In the Washington Post experiment, Joshua Bell removed his violin and he began to play. The story says that he played with acrobatic enthusiasm, his body leaning into the music and arching on tiptoes at the high notes, In the hour that he played, only seven people stopped what they were doing to take in the performance, even for a minute. 27 people gave money, although most of them on the run, for a total of about $32. The other 1,070 people hurried by oblivious. You can actually watch the entire thing because the Post videotaped it with a hidden camera, of course. So you see Bell playing so gracefully as people scurry by. And when he stops playing each piece of music, there is nothing. No applause, no acknowledgement, nothing. As a parent, one of the most interesting things for me to see was when the children walked by. Every single time a child walked by, they tried to stop and watch. And every single time, the parents scooted them away. There were only a few adults who interrupted their busy lives to listen, and the Post interviewed each of them. John Mortensen was three minutes early that morning, so he stopped to hear the music. It was the first time that he had ever lingered to hear a street musician, but he said it made him feel at peace. Janice Olu happened upon Bell during her coffee break, and she stayed as long as she could. She also had played violin as a child, and she knew that the person playing had a gift. She was reluctant to leave. 
John Piccarello lasted for nine minutes, but he had studied violin, so he had once hoped to be a concert musician. He knew that this performance was brilliant. And then there was Stacy Furukawa, who had actually been to see Bell at a concert a few weeks earlier, so she recognized him. <laughs> she planted herself 10 feet away, and she stayed until the very end. She said it was the most astonishing thing that she had ever seen. Joshua Bell was standing there, playing at rush hour, and people were not stopping. They weren't even looking, and some of them were just flipping quarters at him. As she puts it, I was thinking, oh my gosh, how could this happen? How could this happen? I know exactly how this could happen, and I bet that all of you do too. We are busy. We are so busy, driving from one place to the next, working hard, schlepping our kids to sports and school and appointments, running errands, doing chores, crossing things off our lists. We are tired, and we often don't feel like we have much more to give. And when we aren't busy doing, chances are that we are on our devices, mindlessly scrolling and clicking and reading. And if we aren't doing or on our devices, then we are often just mindlessly going through the motions of our lives, so sure that we know exactly what to expect that we barely look around us. It is so hard to really stop. It's so hard to really look and listen. It's so hard to be truly present to the people and the experiences and the beauty all around us. It's so hard to reimagine what is right in front of us. But I think that is exactly the challenge during this season of ordinary time. How do we find God in the everyday landscapes of our lives? How do we awaken in the midst of our ordinary to the wonder that surrounds us? How do we discover the poetry of faith even in the midst of prosaic normal? How do we expand our limited vision to see past our assumptions and recognize God present in the moment right in front of us? The Post article asked what for me was a haunting question. If we can't take the time out of our lives to stay a moment and listen to one of the best musicians on earth play some of the best music ever written, if the surge of modern life so overpowers us that we are deaf and blind to something like that, then what else are we missing? What else indeed? I wonder how each of us can take time each day to breathe deeply, to look around us, to be willing to be surprised by a holy interruption, willing to imagine the possibility of a divine encounter, even in what seems to be utterly mundane. Which are the God moments in ordinary time? All of them, to those of us who have eyes to see. Amen. Amen.